As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Not only do you help this show and everything that we do, but oh my goodness, all the extras you're going to get. You're going to be like, oh my God, this is a whole different, a whole different world. It's a, a whole new world right here at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans just like you. In this issue, it's time to roll some dice with Rick and Morty. Time to fire some guns with a magical Elliot Ness. Time to run for office with live fire. And time to cut away to the fireplace during the super sexy fun times. All that plus our full array of feedback. Upfront side hacking and top loading delivered in the mighty major spoilers manner. Including the mutant hamster races, the, Mur the Marie Curie lookalike contest. But we were going to make Stephen the king of the winter carnival. Just in time for the major spoilers podcast to take to the air. Welcome to issue 841 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Hey, first, uh, right away, as soon as we get this started, big apologies that we did not have a show last week. I know many of you reached out and said, uh, did I miss something? Why is there no show? Major Spoilers is so on and trying to get us a show every week. Uh, those of you who sent those messages, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who are like, oh, I guess you guys are pod fading now, huh? Can't even do the work to get a show out every week, huh? <laughs> you guys can go sit on attack. Um, yeah, but, but for all the cool people, uh, the reason why we didn't have a show last week is because we had not one, but two huge storms blow through the area. Uh, the meteorologist down at the university was like, um, on he, he average, blew away. yeah, he blew away. He said oh, on average, Nebraska. the city of Hayes experiences winds exceeding 70 miles per hour, uh, once every two years. That's on average. We had two storms within three days of one another that hit 72 and 78 miles per hour. The 78 mile per hour one is the one that hit us on Tuesday, and it kept knocking the power out here. And so Steven it was, and I had like nine power outages <laughs> in it the was space so, of 10 minutes. It was so stupid, and the storm was literally so heavy uh, that uh, I, we just couldn't continue. I was like, there's no way that I can continue resetting the computer, resetting the Internet trying to pick back up where we left off and hope that we don't lose anything each time the power goes down. Uh, so I, I just made the call and uh, went upstairs and hugged the family, praying that that uh, we wouldn't be blown away. Um, a lot of damage in the city. Uh, the church up the street, the whole roof just peeled right off. Uh, lots of downed trees, some downed walls down at the university. 
Uh, but uh, here at the HQ, we were perfectly fine. I say all that as I knock on wood because uh, guess what's uh, about to roll into the area here shortly. Now there's no uh, severe I, weather. There's no se severe weather alerts attached to it. But here come the storms. Here come the storms. So we probably oh, ought to get this. Kansas. Yeah, we probably well. Welcome to uh, Kansas in the spring, not Kansas in August. Oh no! Here comes the spring. Doobie doobie. Let's get to some news. Here's what we have on the lineup for this week. We have the Sci-Fi Channel cancels Krypton and also the Lobo series that was in the works. Loot Crate uh, files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And Kevin oh. Smith takes on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Let's roll that beautiful bean footage and see what pops up. Oh, you right are not there. allowed to ad-lib. Right there. Before, I'm trying to spin the wheel. <laughs> so during the um, Hasbro Power, what is it, the Power Con convention uh, this past weekend, uh, Kevin Smith was doing a panel to talk about the history of, of He-Man for his Fat Man on po uh, Batman podcast. And he says, oh, by the way, my uh, Fat Man uh, co-host, uh, Mark, uh, now I forgot his name. Um, <laughs> Mark, uh, uh, no, uh, I, I forget. I don't see there. Mar oh, B um, Bernadine, Ralph, I believe Ralph is his Garman. name. No, not Ralph Garman. That's the other, that's the other show that he does. Uh, but he announced that the secret project that, that they have been working on for the past couple of months, uh, Kevin's been teasing this on the Fat Man on Batman podcast since before Comic-Con. Uh, that he was working on a really cool project that was moving ahead, and he made the announcement that, yes, they are bringing back He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in an quote-unquote anime style that is going to pick up right where the 80s show left off. And it, uh, he says, uh, quote, we pick up right where the classic era left off to tell an epic tale of what may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor, brought to life with the most metal character designs powerhouse animation can contain in a frame. This is the Masters of the Universe story you always wanted as a kid. Now, for those of you wondering, well, what's the powerhouse animation? Uh, powerhouse animation is the one that did the Castlevania series from, um, who's the comic Warren creator? Ellis. Warren Ellis uh, on Netflix. So now the powerhouse animation is doing the animation for the Masters of the Universe, which is also going to be on Netflix. Uh, no word on a release date, but they are way into production on this already. Uh, so my guess is we're going to see it early next year. So this uh, is what he was talking about when he said nostalgic IP all this spring. Yes. Uh -huh. We're working on a nostalgic. Uh, that's kind of yep. cool. Yep, 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 yep. And he almost on the most recent episode, which came out last week, I want to say, he got really close to spilling the beans. He's like, oh, man, I don't know what I can and cannot talk about. And then he's like, hey, you guys might want to show up to this uh, power con on, on Saturday where we're going to be doing this He-Man thing. And I was like, OK, now I know why he was stressing it really heavily and why he really didn't do a whole lot of talking and left his co-host to do it because he could, he's the one that could uh, honor an NDA and Kevin maybe was getting too close to spilling the beans. So here's the thing. Uh, Rodrigo, do you care about this? I'm I'm interested in it uh you know as a as a little baby child i was a big fan of he-man um but i don't think i have ever seen a he-man reimagining that i liked mm -hmm. um so i i'm uh, skeptical that this is going to be any good i watched the first season of Netflix's Castlevania, and it 
looks really good, but it wasn't great. Although I'm also not a big fan of Warren Ellis, so it might have been the writing that I wasn't into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, again, I'm like I'm interested. Um, I'm mostly interested to see the designs because uh, you know Masters of the Universe characters are nuts mm-hmm. to look at. They look super weird so you know i'm i'm curious to see if we're gonna see you know ram man try and them trying to make that character make sense and you know modulock yeah you know scope neck or whatever and mecha neck b face and mm-hmm. fire fist and yeah giant. and so on yeah to just pick a guy you know it's like mm-hmm. just just the good guys look like complete weirdos forget the bad guys um, so I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see definitely from a design standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a little bit sad that they're not just going to make a He-Man uh, spinoff off of the uh, successful She-Ra mm-hmm. Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy about that because one of the things that I like about it is that they separated She-Ra and He-Man. And I think that it's been very successful for She-Ra and I think it's fine. I think it's very good that She-Ra and He-Man are separate franchises. And I think it's going to be healthy for both of them to remain separate franchises. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, initial reactions? Um, There are times where I feel like, um, you know how sometimes you, you meet people and they're like, I totally love this ironically, and they're into the weirdest stuff, and it's because it's weird stuff. Sometimes I feel like people think that that may be true of me, but here's the real steel deal. Masters of the Universe is right just like a nudge past how much irony, how much tongue-in-cheek, how much facetious nonsense I can take. Um, if you ever wondered where my ability to take the whimsical and and fantastical and silly is it's snout spout uh, who is the official fire person of eternia that said i had masters of the universe figures i saw the cartoon i'm aware of the property in that general sort of way and i'll be interested to see what they do with it because i've tangentially bumped into some of the she-ra stuff and i really like what they're doing with she-ra i feel like they have taken that product for kids of 1982 and turned it into a product for kids of 2019 and that's really something that if we're gonna and god help us we're gonna revamp and relaunch and bring back every single thing that was ever popular ever uh you know going back or wasn't six right nothing before 1966 because god help us we get back past we're, before the boomers because, we're out of, you know, we're out of that range we're, we're literally yeah. out of that 30-year range already we're so. getting there we're getting there. But, you know, if they're going to do it, I feel like they need to do it differently. They need to do it fresh. And, yes, you can certainly pick up where that cartoon left off. And I, you can tell me that cartoon had continuity all you want. I can tell you right now that I, 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 no, bad. Give me something different, something weird, something new. And I feel like Kevin Smith is the showrunner, right? He's not like the creator guy. I mean, he? he's the one. He's one of the uh, writers include. Um, collaborators. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the main people. He's producing this. Okay. okay. 
so yeah, I feel like Kevin Smith can definitely give, and you know, bringing people in who can give a new take or a slightly different take is what I want to see. What I'm really worried about, and what I'm kind of tired of, is an updated version for the 40-year-old guys who were 12 in 1982. I want to see something that, you know, maybe breaks some new ground and does some stuff with Masters of the Universe that a uh, fuzzy, brief but, little action. Well, but we're in, we're into that we're into that nostalgia. I mean, we're into that nostalgia yeah. loop. I mean, we're the target demographic right now for that stuff. I don't, I don't yeah, like but it. it but it but it certainly won't because it's saying it's going to pick up the second the <laughs> yes. last one left off, right? Yes. And that yes. really that's that that really is what's worrisome about this because it's like this is gonna be so metal, and also it picks up the second the last one left off, which is incongruous. Yeah, that's that's like saying, um, I'm going to make you the most delicious Lego sandwich, <laughs> right? It's like, what? Are you gonna yeah. you're gonna make me a sandwich out of Legos? Yes, and it'll be delicious. I don't want to eat a sandwich out of Legos. You love Legos, like yeah, I love Legos, but I don't want to eat them. It's like no, no, no. But if this is a sandwich. You eat sandwiches. Yes. Love sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but, the nostalgia. You know, it's like, but, 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 but what? The, the nostalgia yeah. thing is something that we just have to accept as a given. But I would like to see, as Matthew said, I would like to see them try something different. I think that's what makes Stranger Things so interesting is because they're not remaking something. They're just setting it in that time period. And so you do get the nostalgia without trying to you know, continue yeah, on a He-Man like, or something it's like, like that. It's like, it's like the nostalgia is just like the cream on top. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Now, myself, eh, watched some He-Man back in the day. I, I couldn't tell you all the, all the characters or all the plot lines or anything there's, like that. There's Zodak and there's Stratos. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. Um, and and kind of, I, I, uh, I kind of like the Castlevania series. I'll watch the first episode and probably not watch anything else of, of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I'm more surprised is I expected a lot more negative reaction uh, hearing that Kevin Smith uh, was attached to it. I honestly did. I figured there'd be a lot more upheaval about, oh, my God, Kevin Smith is going to ruin all this. Blah, 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 blah. He's the guy uh, that did the walrus man I've thing. I haven't seen Kevin Smith's going to ruin this. I've Because I think the, the choice is on point. I, I've mostly seen like, yeah, that tracks like, you know, you know, it's like the negativity that I've seen is like, I, I think yeah, people are afraid yeah, that people, people don't want anything. People don't, don't want a, a fresh new take on He-Man. So they're going to Kevin Smith. Well, and I think people to, are worried that Kevin non to, to get their nostalgia out of He-Man. I think they're worried that Kevin Smith is going to have Skeletor and He-Man sitting around smoking a bowl or something. And and right. being high the entire time. I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm fine with this. I mean, I'm fine with Kevin Smith doing this. I, Kevin I, Smith can do things other than clerks. And yeah. if you're if you're worried that Kevin Smith is going to do clerks for as he man, you're clearly not aware of his most recent work. And maybe you should brush up on your Kevin Smith. The man does weird stuff now, and it, it's all different weird stuff. So I don't think that you know focusing on the thing that he may be best known for is really shooting him down so much as it makes you sound like you're just not paying attention. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. And I, I think I said earlier, Hasbro, I meant Mattel is the, uh, is the He-Man toy line. Um, yeah. Mattel Hasbro does. Are they together now? No, 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 no. no. Okay. That's like Still saying oil and water. Yeah. That's like okay. oil and water. 
Um, yeah, it's great. I guess I, you know, they've haven't they rebooted like uh, uh, He Man a couple of times in animated form. There was a 2002 He Man series that was uh, metal, 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 brutal. Okay, uh, but I can't remember anything since then. Okay, I thought yeah. that I think they've tried to reboot it. I want to say twice, but maybe I may just be thinking of that one series and they tried to get all new action figures with an all new design and everything uh, that came out, which is ultimately what they're doing here is we need to sell more toys. Well, sure. Um, but I mean, more power to them. I mean, if people are really big He-Man fans, I'm sure they're all down for this, but uh, I was never a big He-Man fan. My friend gave me his action figures when he was done with them. And I was more interested in the Tila figure than the, than the man at arms. I mean, you know, uh, so I don't know. I, we didn't, I mean, we got it on the UHF channel, like channel 69 UHF. And it was hard to, to come in. It wasn't on channel 41 or anything, Matthew. So it no, was like, it was one of those weird yeah, it was like on 69, uh, the channel 69, I believe is what it was. And it came in sometimes. So hardly ever got to see the thing. Uh, so I don't have the connection and I don't have the fondness for the He-Man Christmas special that other people do. Um, He-Man Christmas special. Apparently so. And it gets really, really weird when Skeletor learns the meaning of Christmas and finds Jesus at the end of it. Wait, um, what year is it in Eternia? Because I thought that Eternia was like uh, another dimension it's, where it's eternally 1315. It's Eternia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go track that down. Apparently the whole thing is on YouTube. Yeah, no. Okay, well, uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Smith announces the anime He-Man series coming to Netflix. We don't know when, but I do know that they're into the uh, production part of it and doing all the writing and all that good stuff. So I'm going to ex expect it will come out next year, 2020. I don't think we'll see it before the end of the year. Um, isn't, um, what's the uh, Voltron? Isn't that ending? Isn't, didn't they just finish their final series there? With Voltron, anybody know? Uh, yeah, Voltron. Uh, the Voltron finished its last season a few months ago. Yeah, so maybe this is their next big thing, right? Is to come in with another '80s property that people will get all excited about. So, sure, sure, could be. All right, there you go, listeners. What do you think? Are you excited about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? Are you excited about Kevin Smith uh, taking this on? Are you hating the idea that Kevin Smith is taking this on? Let us know. You can drop us an email, podcast at Majorspoilers.com, or even better, share your thoughts with the rest of the world and head over to Majorspoilers.com. And in the comments section, type away. Share your thoughts. Just go to town. Yes. Here are some reviews. Matthew, you've got uh, LifeWire number nine that was out can I, can last I week. Now we're going to let you go first. LifeWire, we, go, we usually go by the date of release. So this one was out on the 21st. So this is out this week. Today. Yep, yep, that's out this week. So let us know what's going on with Livewire number nine from Valiant Entertainment. Livewire number nine. Now, I have not been familiar with the new Livewire. I remember the old version of Livewire from the 90s, who basically had magnetic powers. What we're looking at in this issue is a new version of Livewire, who actually I kind of like better. But throughout this issue, she seems to be involved in election tampering. And I'm not entirely sure from the way it's written which side she's on. Uh, the new live wire, uh, Amanda, is a technopath, so she can control machinery. So as the issue starts, she's breaking into the Pentagon. And she ends up having a discussion with a man running for president. 
And he's trying to sell her on helping him to win the election. And I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Um, Just in terms of the way the story is written, it's very ambiguous as to whether or not we're supposed to feel like she's in the right. It's not entirely clear to me whether we're supposed to sympathize with her, whether we're supposed to think that she's crossing the line. And I think the probably the biggest issue with it is as the story ends, we have a, a paparazzi, of course, who's been taking pictures of the whole thing and has a whole bunch of blackmail material on not only her, but several other people who, by the way, are not identified in the issue, don't know who they are necessarily. And it's a great big dun, 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 stinger moment where we realize that somebody is about to lose this election, but again, not entirely sure who, not entirely sure which side the hero is on, not entirely sure if either side is going to make for a story that I want to read the rest of. Normally when it comes to you know the Valiant comics, I've been enjoying a couple of things they're doing. Uh, they just put out a series with uh, not Ninja K, but Ninja G. Right. Ninja H, yeah. uh, which I really enjoyed. And I had not been following this particular book, but I had read previous books with her in them back when they were doing the Harbinger stuff and the knockoffs, not the knockoffs, the spinoffs of Harbinger that actually had this character in it. I didn't realize that she was an updated version of the same character that we used to read about. So, again, that's partly me with the I have to learn a whole new universe and try and remember who people are, which is on me, not necessarily on the writers. But when you take that into account and then you take into account the art in this issue, which is very odd. Um, there's something in the 1990s when there were a lot of independent comics coming around, you would get a lot of really interesting, I always kind of think of them as almost primitivist art styles. And because they were doing the coloring by hand, you would get coloring that actually felt like it was being done on literal paper with magic markers or with colored pencil markers. And then that would be photographed for it. And this issue reminds me of that in ways that are really, really good because there are a couple of action sequences that are just psychotic. They're crazy, over-the-top, dynamic, weird, super hyper-colory things. And then there are moments where I'm just like, I have no idea what just happened. So the art is not really to my liking. I do like there's one particular scene where we see a, a montage of her breaking into computer systems And you see the picture of Livewire, who has uh, big locks, dreadlocks, in the foreground. And her hair kind of spreads out and melds into the electronics of these computer systems, which actually make the borders of the image. So you're seeing the electronics that are making these borders, and then it all blends into her hair. It's a really nice effect, really kind of cool. But then on the next page, you get a picture that feels like it was kind of sketched out and never really fully inked in before it was colored. So I'm kind of all over the place, and I feel like that may be the best description of this issue. It's kind of all over the place in that you're never really sure who's in the right. You're never really sure who we're supposed to be rooting for, if that's even still a thing in modern storytelling. And the art kind of goes back and forth from really fascinating to not quite sticking the landing. But 
overall, not a terrible read, certainly not a bad read for the price. I'm going to go with two and a half slices of meatloaf for live wire at number nine. I'd be willing to come back and check out the next issue. I may go back and check out the previous issue and see if something that I've missed is, you know, there that just didn't make it into this particular issue. So, all right, that's fair. Fair enough. Uh, Live wire number nine out this week from Valiant Entertainment. Uh, mm-hmm. Out next week from Dark Horse Comics is a a book that uh, the publisher has been pushing really hard. The creators, uh, Christian uh, Christian Ward and uh, Sammy uh, Cavella, I believe, is the artist on this. Uh, have been pushing really hard on social media. It's Tommy Gun Wizards, number one. Now, I will say that um, I have read the first two issues of this. Uh, Dark Horse sent them to us, oh man, like a couple of months, uh, I want to say a couple of months in advance. I read Tommy Gun Wizards finally uh, last week, and I've had it sitting on my hard drive for about a month now uh, because of uh, the promotion that they want to do behind this. But the premise is, what if magic... In the world that you know it, you know, what if magic in our world? But this is the 1930s Chicago. But instead of. Instead of uh, alcohol. Being prohibited, it's magic that is being prohibited. (laughs) What if prohibition, but magic? Yeah. Yeah. What if prohibition, but magic and Al Capone isn't dealing alcohol. He's dealing a product called lick which is a drug that grants you magical powers to anyone who drinks it. So mobsters are wizards. And and so we see Elliot Ness and his team of untouchables trying to take down, you know, illegal magic houses. And it's interesting. I was. When they first pitched this series and they said, oh, this is a magic in the 1930s, I was like, OK, yeah, I can see this. This is a kind of a darker edge. A fantastic beast and where to find them. And I was kind of all up on this. But then when I found out it was Elias, Elliot Ness and Al Capone and all that, I was kind of, I, personally, I lost a little interest in it. But when I read it, they pulled this off really, really well, especially in how they're dealing with, you know, if, if you've seen the Untouchables movie, kind of like that, but not really. Um, In that they're taking a lot of the characters that you know from history and really putting a huge spin on them. I don't know how much they want us to give away on this, but let's just say that Elliot Ness is supposed to be uh, taking down the magic users. Turns out he's a user of this lick drug. And is using it to help take down the others. And I don't think it's in the first issue. I'm pretty sure it's in the second issue where we find out a little bit more about Elliot Ness's uh, past. And it's also the second issue where things take a very interesting turn and we find out where this lick drug is coming from. Um, and I think this would, I think they did this in the end after I read the first issue and then read the second issue. I think they did a really good job of this. I think there's enough tension. I think there's enough excitement. I think there's enough familiar but different in this book to, to make you want to continue to read. Uh, I think ultimately, you know, if they're trying to do a prohibition but with magic, uh, I think ultimately we know prohibition fails in the real world. So I'm very interested to see if how long this series goes and if they talk about what happens after prohibition. And if we see that everyone's just like, well, it's magic. Guess we can't do anything about it. But if you want to see some gangsters using magic and you want to see some, uh, you know, crazy, some crazy magical things happening, I don't want to give too much away because it does come out next week. I think you might enjoy picking up Tommy Gun Wizards number one. 
I'm giving it four slices of meatloaf out of five. I thought it was well written. I thought it was the art is really, really good. And I think the premise is is solid. It just wasn't what I expected when I first was pitched this a couple of months ago. But it, but it holds up. And if you're someone who likes that kind of that kind of mix, then, yeah, I think you will want to pick this up next week Four slices of meatloaf out of five. Tommy Gunn Wizards, number one from Dark Horse Comics. Rodrigo, you're going to wrap up our review se- uh, segment with some super fun, sexy times. And I mean that literally, not uh, Rodrigo's going to. Well, I mean, please, super fun, it, sexy it, times, please. It is no, an audio that's still... podcast. Who knows what I'm wearing, right? Yeah. And you can speak really low and soft. Hi, everybody. Today, like, we're talking about. Like I always do. <laughs> um, super fun, sexy times, uh, written and drawn by Meredith McLaren. Um, comes out uh, September 4th. Wow, it's a couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, so this is a $20 book. It's uh, kind of an anthology, uh, and it's a sexy superhero anthology. Ooh. So uh, there is sex in this, just straight up people having sex. Um, but um, so as, I, as I'm reading through this and stuff, I'm like, okay, so this is, you know, this is a sexy book. It's about superheroes having sex. That's fine. It's all good. But really, as I read through it, what really struck me about it is that it's really more about relationships, about characters having conversations and kind of connecting emotionally to each other. Um, uh, A lot of it is about characters finding out things about each other, uh, things that their partner is into that they didn't know before and experimenting with that, um, finding out um, or kind of figuring things out about each other. Uh, or or getting together for the first time mm-hmm. um, or you know sort of things like that things that require that sort of uh, communication and then once they're done having sex uh, the scene doesn't necessarily end right then and there there a lot of the time there's kind of uh, communication that happens afterwards and and you know, just kind of what happens immediately after is still relevant uh, to to the conversation and to, to the scene, uh, which is good. It's interesting. You know, it's like you it like it, it hooks you by telling you that you're going to see cool superheroes having sex. But really, this is uh, a, a book about relationships and it, it gives you the, these vignettes about people actually having healthy conversations about their relationships, which is probably the rarest thing in comic books. Uh, amazingly, um, it's this is this book is kind of incredibly the reverse of every superhero comic mm. that's on the stands, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in real superhero comics, mm-hmm. they should be able to talk about their relationships and have healthy relationships, and they can't show you sex because they're ostensibly supposed to be family books right um but it's the reverse they everybody's aggressive everybody's snarky everybody is and and their relationships aren't handled well um you know the the men are often misogynistic the women are often misogynistic the you know there's like 
um, underlying homophobia or whatever, you know, good luck finding a healthy homosexual relationship that doesn't end in one of the characters dying or whatever. Um, but, you know, in this book, there are healthy relationships all along the spectrum um, that end in conversation that, you know, where characters clearly care about each other, even if they don't know each other very well, where there's some where, you know, there clearly there's like a respect established. And, you know, it's it's worthwhile just for that. Um, the art is very good. It's um, all the characters are kind of even the ones that are like spiky supervillain types are still still feel very round and cute. Mm -hmm. um, the art style is very soft. It kind of has it doesn't have a lot of like black hard lines. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, the sort of thing where like if, if a character's skin is like brown, the, the lines that define them are brown, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if a character's costume is blue, the lines that define the costume are blue, that kind of thing. Right. Um, gives it kind of a, a, a pastelli soft contrast to it. it. It's very enjoyable. I'm going to give it uh, four and a half slices of meatloaf. Nice. I um, honestly, um, I uh probably it's it, it was a very positive read for me uh much more than it was a sexy read it just kind of left me with a smile on my face of just you know reading through and seeing something that is so rare to see which is like a very positive book mm -hmm. if not and... if not for the fact that there are so many gonads on it like it's <laughs> like i i want to recommend like is like this is almost a family book because like the relationships here are so healthy, but it's definitely not on account of all the like bleeps that you see. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, so this is this is only press, and more specifically, this is the um, Limerence. I want to say uh, press imprint, which is imprint. their, I want to say, sex positive Im imprint. Uh, I think this is also the one that does um, Oh Joy Sex Toy. And also, uh, I want to say I can't remember the other one that I'm pretty sure is put out by the same by the same imprint, but generally very sex positive uh, type books. Yeah. So overall, good sex positive, four and a half slices. Yeah, definitely, definitely recommend. Uh, keep away from the kitties, obviously, <laughs> but uh, you know, stick it in a high shelf. Would would recommend. Yeah, keep it away from from your mom and dad. Uh, you know, you say that. But this actually has like a dedication from the artist's mom. Oh, nice. So again, very positive. Yeah, very cool. Very, very, very cool. All right. Those are some of the comics that are coming out in the weeks ahead. And you can check out more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com. Hey, if you are a VIP member or a Patreon member at the $10 and higher level, uh, you know that uh, I announced this uh, past week, some of the new hires that we have uh added to the major spoilers writing staff and we're welcome to uh we're welcoming jonathan and christopher to the staff and they're doing a good job so far you can check out their reviews and so much more over at majorspoilers.com uh well, you know we always appreciate your feedback if you would like to share your vocal thoughts you can give us a call at 785-727-1939 leave a message after the beep all right here is a um uh, i'm just i'm going to be curious in in how this week's trade paperback is uh thought about by all of you guys, because on the one hand, Dungeons and Dragons. On the other hand, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons. It's a collaboration between Oni Press and IDW Publishing. It is written by uh, Patrick 
um, Rothfuss and Jim Zub. Jim J- Zub, of course, doing a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff over at IDW Publishing right now and doing a fantastic job of that. And, uh, of course, Rick and Morty uh, that everyone knows from uh, from the uh, from the from the cartoons and from the from the Dan Harmon's. Yeah, it's Rick and Morty, everybody. And so in this, we have Morty, who overhears some kids talking about uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and he doesn't want to let on that he doesn't know anything about it. He agrees to show up to their game night to play, and he's got to he's got to crack down really hard and figure out this Dungeons and Dragons thing because he kind of is into this girl. And so he goes to uh, his uh, grandpa, Rick, says, Grandpa Rick, please tell me all about the Dungeons and Dragons. And over the course of what is this, six issues, we go through every iteration of Dungeons and Dragons from first edition all the way through 5e. Not not fourth edition, though. Not fourth edition. You said that this was not kind. You said on Twitter, Rudry, this is this book is definitely not kind to bards or fourth edition. Oh, well, I didn't say fourth edition, but yeah, it's, I mean, they didn't they don't get into fourth edition and there's no reason why they need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they also base they they also skip third edition. Like they they basically kind of hit kind of advanced D&D and second edition and there's really no reason why they needed to get into third and fourth edition yeah. after that. And then they jump right into the popular one that everybody's into. And of course, uh first they try to do it as a virtual reality game, that fails. Then they ultimately find a um, a world that is basically Dungeons and Dragons, including Matthew, a uh, a, a, a game master that we remember from the uh, from the eighties television show. I think Matthew fell asleep. Yeah. No, Matthew times. hit his uh, thing and didn't see his thing being a thing. Oh, okay. All right. Mute buttons are terrible. Yes, the actual dungeon master from the D and D cartoon. Makes an appearance because they went and found one of the alternate universes that is D&D, but Rick was not specifically enough. It's actually the D&D cartoon, not necessarily the game. But I'm sort of fine with that. Turns out everybody in the family is really into Dungeons and Dragons. Especially Dad. Yeah. Who, by the way, I, I this is the thing. I am not necessarily Rick and Morty's target audience, and I haven't really enjoyed a lot of what I've seen on the show. So the first issue or issue and a half of this, I I, I thought I was going to hate it. And then we get to a point where like, yes, we're in this alternate world. And then dad shows up. And of course, you can't help but hear, you know, Cyril from Archer every time dad speaks. And he has such joy for playing these characters and such a, a fun understanding of the way that he wants to play the game that I'm actually drawn into this that at I, I, I wanted to hate it, and I couldn't hate it after yeah. that point because it started getting so sweet. Well, one of the things that's that kind of stands out in the Rick and Morty cartoon show is here's the smartest man in the room who is supposed to figure out by the end of the episode that sometimes he's not the one that has all the answers. And that's kind of the way this plays out, right, Rodrigo, where uh, Rick wants nothing to do with anything other than old school Dungeons and Dragons play, right. and he most certainly doesn't want to... He doesn't want to be a bard. He doesn't want to get into story time. He just wants to burn everything to the ground. Right, right. And he he has an adversarial relationship with the game master. Um, he uh, yeah, he doesn't want to give the game master anything. Like you can't. He advises everyone not to give the game master anything in their backstory that he can use against them. That sort of thing. Yeah, but in the end, Rick gets on board and plays the heck out of a dwarf. What is he? A dwarf uh, bard. 
and uh, no, maybe. oh, and no, maybe no, that's but, what it is. Or maybe a, like I don't remember a if little, they actually told a little person. Oh, well, maybe it's a halfling. It's a, it's a little person. It's a short person. It's everything that Rick doesn't want to be. He ends up being yeah. in this. And they go on an adventure and they find out, oh, maybe we are not the, the, the heroes of this story. Maybe we're the villains and we have to go and fix this. And it, it really does get into some very good storytelling uh, from, you know, from a game perspective. If this were a game, this is, this is what you would end up doing. It's uh, very metatextual. Mm-hmm. Because you get to a point where the characters are like, we're going to play, you know, what you expect a Dungeons and Dragons game to be. We're going to go and we're going to hack and slash and there'll be monsters and we'll kill them. And then all of a sudden the monsters are like, you killed my child. They've stolen my son. How could you do this? And mm-hmm. it, it completely inverts everything that you expect about the story, which I think is wonderful. I, I kind of think that I'm not going to throw it all at sub, but this is definitely the kind of. I guess almost real humanity that you find in even the, you know, the regular licensed D and D stuff that Zub does, Mm -hmm. no matter what you're doing, we've all played a character where you're like, I'm going to kill 57 kobolds. And you never worry that those 57 kobolds have 57 kobold moms who are never going to see them again. But this story does. And I just love that part. I think what I like most about, let's start with the old war gamers and let's make this all about points and death and all this stuff. And then as Summer and as Beth join in, they really get into, oh, yeah, let's play these hardcore characters that are all about hack and slash and death. And, you know, they're running through the dungeon campaign that uh, that Rick wants to do. And pretty soon Morty and Summer and Beth kind of get tired of, well, this is the same old, same old. We're just going from room to room, killing and treasure hunting. And, and that gets old after a while. We want to go and do something different. And then as it rolls into Fifth Adventure and the story that they play, quote unquote play, because it's real, uh, they can't die there. Becomes a lot more, as you said, Matthew, a little bit more nuanced. It, it really becomes and, and fleshes out character and story development. And really, as the meta side goes, I think this is a pretty good reflection of my knowledge of the different versions of the game system and how they've evolved. Yeah, it's, I I like the fact that it is in depth in ways that, you know, the creators have actually played the game Mm -hmm. and they're not just, you know, taking cracks at, you know, nerds in mom's basement. They're actually making fun of not just the game or the mechanics or the people playing the game, but specific types of players or specific things that we fall into specific player character types that appear over and over and you know there's a point where they're like we're gonna go and we're gonna clean out a nest of spriggans and rick's like where's the challenge in that she's like what challenge it's fun these people like us they're giving mm-hmm. us you know accolades and they're being nice to us we want to go and have some fun yeah yeah i yeah. like it yeah i also like and i don't know I, now we got an electronic review copy of this from uh, idw and oni press in the individual issues, and it is included here as well, you get character sheets for all of the characters that are introduced in the fifth edition. So if you want to play Jerry's character, or if you want to play Beth's character, or if you want to play Rick's bard, the character sheets are right there for you to go and play these characters in game. So, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. you going to get us to play these characters in game? 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not running this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, the last, the last time I played a fifth edition game was that one that Rob ran with oh, yeah. like four years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so uh, if you want to run, a fifth edition D and D game. I don't know. Would, would you guys? I would gladly play. Uh, probably Morty. Mom's character. Oh, mom's character. What was she? The um, the, the cleric. Rogue? Oh, the cleric. Okay. And dad was the paladin or whatever he was. He was the abjurer. Okay, that's right. Uh, dad, would you play these pre-generated characters at all? I mean, if someone is oh, like, "Hey guys, fine. let's play these characters and and do a setting and and everything." I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Rick and Morty, so if they were like, you have to play this. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You have to play Kev Silverson as Morty. Like, I'd be like, I haven't watched enough of this show. I, I guess if I have to watch, like, if they were like, you have to play, like, pretend that you are a more scared Michael J. Fox in Back <laughs> to the Future <laughs> as this orc, then maybe yeah. I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's... The origins. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, yeah, maybe. Do you watch? Do you watch Rick and Morty at all? I've seen, I've seen maybe a couple episodes. I've mm. seen a little bit of it, but okay. I, you know, it's in, it's like in the queue, and it just keeps getting like Netflix just added this whole anime about like a car that turns into like a giant robot with the head of a bull, and it just like you know, things just keeps getting pushed down. <laughs> Somebody told me to watch the boys. So, you know, things just keeps getting pushed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew, and you're you're a sometimes watcher of this. I enjoyed Pickle Rick and I really, really loved there was an episode that I bumped into. It may have actually been the same one where they're at therapy and Morty and Summer at the end are like, We're gonna go back to therapy. Yeah, right? that's Pickle Rick. That's Pickle Rick. Okay. Because yeah. that one I liked. I really liked that. I feel like there are times when even the show doesn't seem to realize that Rick is not supposed to be the hero guy. Oh, no, he's not and supposed to. He's not supposed to be. I think that the fandom doesn't always get that. That's the problem. And, and that, you know, that is a problem. But I really enjoy the fact that that is not a problem here. Right. And throughout these issues, we get more and more understanding of the fact that you know, Rick is not a role model. He is not a good person. And as the game comes together and as the family comes together playing the game and Rick gets more and more sidelined because he just isn't going to give anything even to his family. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like that's fascinating. That's the kind of message that I would like to get out of every episode of Rick and Morty. And I feel like sometimes maybe that's not always front and center in the show. So I'll, yeah, watch yeah, yeah. it on occasion but you know i have not uh followed dan Harmon long enough on twitter or on uh, justin roiland uh i don't even follow him at all so I, the one thing that I, I really was looking for is some kind of feedback from the creators of rick and morty on you know on their reactions to this and i know that like the 50th episode or the 50th issue of rick and morty i can't remember if it was dan or um, Justin did a little intro to the thing saying, Hey, this comic's gone 50 issues. It's gone longer than our TV show. So congratulations and good job. Um, but I was kind of hoping for a little bit of input on this because didn't uh, Dan Harmon do a whole, uh, Dungeons and Dragons show? 
Yeah, he, he did a whole episode of Community about Dungeons and Dragons. No, no, I think well, he, and, and no, he, he also has a, a D&D show. Yeah, oh, he I does a D&D show. And so that's why I was yeah. very curious, uh, you know, uh, what feedback from them would be on this. Uh, overall, I, I rather enjoyed it. Uh, I like this book. I thought it was I thought it was clever in the parts that it needed to be clever. I thought it was just nudge, nudge, wink, wink to D&D fans to uh, let in on on the, the lot of the jokes. I really, really liked and appreciated that the fact that the book opens up with a girl talking about I'm going to go play Dungeons and Dragons and talking about her gaming group, which was a nice mix of uh, men and women, boys and girls in this. And I and I really like that because I think too often when you think about Dungeons and Dragons, uh, too often uh, people think it's all guys that are playing. And that's not necessarily the case. And the fact that this is uh, the the girl that started this whole adventure for Morty, uh, I believe she was the GM uh, in the beginning, or she was one of the, the GMs that that uh, play the game. Uh, and so I really uh, like that as well. And so uh, every little part and the fact that, you know, nobody, nobody that Morty encounters in this book, and this may be uh, a little bit of Wizards of the Coast involvement in this, nobody at any point turns up their nose at Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, may I? Sure. So, uh, I don't know much about Rick and Morty, but mm -hmm. I can tell by looking at them and by the little bit uh, that I've seen to tell that a big part of the appeal of Rick and Morty is that it's subversive. And mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing that I don't like about this book is that as a tie-in to actual dungeons and or dragons is that it's clearly not allowed to be they literally name check actual products that are on the shelf right now right and it, anytime somebody goes hey dungeons and dragons everybody is like i used to play dungeons and dragons in the day the most fun game that has ever been created <laughs> at all times anywhere is like oh me yes i love dungeons and dragons hey i am the dungeon master also i'm going to turn into i'm guessing a bunch of like uh, famous dungeon masters at some point <laughs> like that are um, oh, i didn't see your like picture on, in there online yeah uh mine's not on there probably because i say things like this online all the time <laughs> um, but i mean on the so, other hand it, so it's very I'm, positive but like, yes it's, it's, it's a big commercial not, right yeah like i'm not i'm not putting this on the writers or anything like that this is an official thing you know wizards of the coast slash hasbro they're putting their big signature on there or whatever yes this is official or whatever they're not going to poop where they eat mm -hmm. like but 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 it felt that way it, it you know yes this book doesn't have anybody being like yeah dungeons and dragons you're eating cheetos in your mom's basement but right. but there's something in between that and also Everybody plays Dungeons and Dragons, the number one most popular game that has ever been created or everybody loves. On on you know, it's like there's there's something in between there. Right? But they are like, also yes. You can make fun of us, we can take it. And and they do make fun of themselves, right? They're like, oh, the less said about fourth edition, the better. Let's just move on. Uh they actually call that out as uh, maybe as a bad as a bad idea or a bad product or a bad, you know, a mistake or whatever. Um I don't mind though that it's that it turns out to be a bit of commercialism and product placement, though. I really don't. Um, because if it had been, oh, who plays Dungeons and Dragons? Then the story moves away from, 
the fun of having an adventure and here are all these very different characters with very different personalities coming together and working together and doing something together as opposed to a long discussion of, huh, does Dungeons and Dragons really open up a gateway to hell and it's a, and it's all going to send us uh, to, uh, the, to the heck is, place? What I'm saying is there's something in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like community, actually, community did that. Community had a game or had a non-licensed episode about Dungeons and Dragons that was all about a person learning something about themselves through through a Dungeons and Dragons game that didn't crap on Dungeons and Dragons. It did have people questioning whether playing Dungeons and Dragons was a good thing, but ultimately everybody got into it, right? You can have something in the middle, but you certainly can't have that in a Dungeons and Dragons licensed right, product. Right, yeah. right. So, right. especially in a, with a property like Rick and Morty, which is presumably going to let you have it with both barrels, it feels particularly toothless, mm. especially when the character's teeth are so janky. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ultimately like this or not like this? It was fine. You know, it's fun. It's fun, like, it's fun for the other reason. It's fun to see you know, from page one all the way to the end, getting everything name checked, owl bears and, you know, Thacko and all this nonsense and have the characters talk about abjuration and why nobody wants to be an abjurer and why it's actually reasonable to play an abjurer and blah, blah, blah. It's like all that stuff was fun. And when they actually get into an actual story, it was fun. But, you know, ultimately, I always had this thing in the back of my head that I kept going back to where it's like, I feel like there should be more of an edge to this. Mm. And I feel like they can't have it because there's, there's like an actual fire breathing suit. Yeah. That's, that's going to eat their head if they do. I, I mean, I totally see where you're coming from and I don't disagree with you. I did like that. Rick was trying to be the Mr. Poopy butthole the entire time. Matthew, did you ultimately like this or not like this? I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I I literally got to a point where I expected and wanted to hate it. And there are points where I'm like, I hate this. I hate Rick. I hate everything that's going on here. And then I would get to a point where I really got drawn into it. And I think that that's kind of a metaphor for what happens in the story, mm-hmm. especially to Summer, especially to uh, Mom, whatever her name is. Beth. You you get to a point where the characters of the Rick and Morty show, and even with my cursory knowledge thereof, the characters became the point of it. The way that these characters were interacting because of Dungeons and Dragons was the point of the book. And that's what I really loved. It wasn't, you know, just making fun of Dungeons and Dragons. It wasn't making fun of everybody's, you know, inner, uh, combat killer guy mm-hmm. it wasn't making fun of drist which by the way make fun of drist all you want but it was based on character and when i when you get into the point where it's a really good character driven story and it seems like summer is dead and everybody's freaked out and they're like oh my god rick help us and he's like can't do it i'm a jerk that is something that really carries a lot of weight the fact that they pulled that dramatic moment out of this show that is basically a kind of a goofy nihilistic cartoon combined with something that it shouldn't work with. I really kind of enjoyed the end of it. So yeah, yeah I feel like overall I liked it. Would you recommend it? Depends on to whom. Our listeners. 
Depends on the listener. Uh, yeah, I would say definitely Rick and Morty fans, 60% of D&D fans, and people who are open to generally weird but agreeable experiences. So mm-hmm. if you're worried that, you know, oh my God, the Marvel Universe will never be the same because Spider-Man may not be in it anymore, maybe this is not the thing for you, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're willing to address something and go, okay, what the heck is going on here and why should I care? And let the book tell you, here's why you should care. Then, yeah, this is definitely something I would recommend to the right audience. Uh, Rodrigo, same question to you. I think I think definitely if you're riding high on the D&D wave right now, if you're like into it, if you're um, getting the books, if you're streaming D&D real plays and stuff right now, then you are right there for this book. Even if you don't like Rick and Morty that, that much, because... You don't need that much. You don't need to be into Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Like, no, y- these characters are introduced to you very quickly, and it's like old jerk, nice kid, weird family, and you're in, and they just go and play D and D. Like, so if if that's what you're into, this is actually a very nice D and D story. So mm-hmm. if if that's you, then definitely, yeah. And if you are someone who, I would recommend this. I think it's fine. I think it's fun. Uh, but if you are someone who wants to get into comics and see how this particular series was made, then you probably ought to, and I don't usually go around and and pitch other people's Patreon pages, but Jim Zub has a Patreon page. And I think at, I forget which tier it is. It's definitely under the $10 a month tier. He will post the scripts to the comics that he works on. And in the case of Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons issue number four, which I guess was the four issue miniseries, I guess. He actually not only has the script for the issue, he also has the pitch uh, for the issue. And he goes into some details on his Patreon page about what went into making the comic, how they had to deal with certain things, especially when it came to Hasbro. Uh, and so his Patreon is is full of examples and he gets permissions to post these entire scripts online for people to go and check out. Uh, it's definitely worth your time. And I don't know why I signed up for his Patreon. I signed up a long time ago, uh, but it's one of the few that I that I support. And uh, it's totally worth it, And especially if you are a comic book, comic book writer fan. And especially if you're a Dungeons and Dragons comic book fan, you're going to find a lot of, of that stuff over there at his Patreon page. Uh, also, we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, that also has a bunch of bonus content. Uh, Matthew made a reference to the uh, Spider-Man announcement with Sony and uh, Disney. Uh, a few moments ago, we spend well, 30 minutes before this show begins just talking about stuff. And we spent probably a good 15, 20 minutes of that specifically talking about the Spider-Man Sony Disney news. So if you want to find out more about that, you definitely need to become a patron at the five dollar or higher level. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of other podcasts that you unlock, a bunch of behind the scenes stuff that you unlock when you become a patron over at Patreon.com slash major spoilers. And if you enjoy what we do, you want to see it continue. We're trying to reach more goals to make more content for you and deliver it on a super regular basis and even create more shows. Uh, we could use your help if you enjoy this. And really, if if every single one of you listening to this show right now signed up at the five dollar and higher level, we would blow past our next six goals. Yeah, just like that. And we would be we would be scrambling to try to get everything done, but we would get it done for you. Uh, so think about that. If the, if you're a regular fan of this and you think that you can, and if you can't afford it, if you can't afford it, I don't want you to sign up as a patron. But if you can't afford it, please consider doing it at patreon.com slash major spoilers, because that's the only way 
that major spoilers continue is through the support of fine listeners like you. All right, now that that is all out of the way, Rick and Morty's out of the way. We'll be back with more content next week. We certainly uh, appreciate every one of you, and we want to say thank you for listening and thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love to hear your feedback, so make sure to use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, you can send us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm going to rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care if they bring back Craven. Spider-Man's a clone Stop spending all our cash On back issues of the Flash Or I swear to God You're gonna spend your quiet years alone This podcast is copyright 2019 By Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.